Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Our prayers should be deeply relational. Okay, our prayers should be deeply relational. God is not some thundering, distant present in the sky that you can't know. And I think what a lot of us have done, and this is what we're going to talk about today, is we've built this mentality, especially whenever we feel like we've done something wrong or we feel like we're praying earnestly from our heart, God, please, I have this need. This is not something that I want. This is something going on in my life. I just need to hear from you. And some of you would explain this as like your prayers kind of hitting the roof and then coming back down. And we just tell ourselves, God is not present, or God is far away, or God is, um, God is, is able to talk to some people and bring some people in, but I must not just be one of those people because of X, Y, and Z. In fact, what God is, is a loving parent. And I know this parental relationship, this idea of a heavenly father, is probably difficult for some of you. It's not that difficult for me because I had a a pretty good model sitting right here. But for some of you who experience neglect, abuse, selfishness, estrangement, the idea of God being a loving father and a heavenly father at this stage of your life is probably a little bit difficult to fathom and to understand. And I I completely get that. But I can promise you, and I hope you see through what we're going to talk about today, that your heavenly Father is very, very different. Even if you had a wonderful earthly father, or you have a great dad, it's a very different kind of relationship that every believer has the privilege of experiencing. So our first core value at Believer's Church is, does anybody know at this point? Starts with an F, formation, spiritual formation. So what we do every spring and every fall is we take four to 10 weeks and we talk about a spiritual discipline, prayer, scripture reading, worship, serving, giving, gratitude, hospitality, all of these that we have to choose from. We take one of these And we take a little bit of time to really focus on it, not for the purpose of information, but for the purpose of application and character formation. For the purpose of you being able to take one concept each week that has to do with scripture reading, that has to do with hospitality, that has to do with prayer, and as a student of Jesus, implement this practice into your daily life and watch how it changes. So a theme that we have going on, I'm going to repeat myself again with this practice, is that our vision will come to fruition 
and we will be the church that we are supposed to be whenever we learn to pray passionately. So that's what I want to continue to hammer home. So this spring, our focus is prayer, and today we're in week three. The first week we talked about the right kind of prayer. Your will be done is the way that we should approach every single prayer that we pray. Week two, we talked about prayer should be simple at the feet of Jesus, not something that we complicate with the busyness of our lives, but that we should try try to get really close. And today we're going to talk about the fact that prayer should be relational. Okay, so we're going to be in Luke, I think, chapter 5, Luke chapter 5. But in Luke 3, we witness Jesus choosing some of the disciples. We then see Jesus heal a man that happens to have a skin condition. The man, as often happens, probably more in Mark than anywhere else, but the man is ordered or asked not to tell anyone. And then what does he do? He goes and tells everyone. And Jesus literally goes viral from village to village to village. Everyone is talking about Jesus. Now, this could do a lot to a person's ego. You know, this could do a lot. Think about pastors whenever their churches start to grow, or business leaders whenever their businesses start to grow, or teachers when they're constantly getting the pat on the back about the big difference that, that they're making in the lives of their children. And they just start to think, well, you know what? Maybe I'm pretty good. You see, Jesus could have done that. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus did something very different. So in the midst of his early popularity or infamy to some, because he wasn't very popular to some, he does this. And this is where we pick up just just one verse today, Luke 5, 16. One verse. Jesus is really popular. All these wonderful things are going on. Everybody's starting to talk to him. Because he's spending this time with the Father, he knows that it's not time to make the grand announcement about who he is. So this is what happens. Luke 5, 16. But Jesus would withdraw to deserted places or isolated places for prayer. Jesus would withdraw and get away. So think about it. Somebody in your life is is just blowing up your ego and things are going wonderful. What does Jesus do? Okay, I need to step away. I need to evaluate. I need to assess. I need to see what this has the potential to do to me. Keeping in mind that God is fully, that Jesus is fully God, but also fully human. Also in moments whenever we're really down, there are a lot of bad habits that we have and things that we do, ways that we numb our mind. But in these moments also, we see that Jesus withdraws to pray. So what I'm going to challenge you guys to do, whenever you go through these moments in which ego is inflated, and when you go through these moments in which your confidence is shot, you go through these moments in which you don't know what to do, that you understand that this God is a loving Father, and that you pull yourself away in order to experience the depth of this relationship. So we see other verses like this recorded in the, uh, recorded in the gospel, and this writer, Ward Cushman, he wrote of six reasons that Jesus chose solitude over crowds. Six reasons that Jesus chose solitude over crowds. This is the first one. 
to prepare for a major task. So think about your life. What would be a reason to pull yourself away from prayer to prepare for a major task? What does Jesus do right before he starts his public ministry? For 40 days, he fasts and goes into the wilderness alone with the Father. You see, this is going to change humanity. So what Jesus is saying is, I could go this way, and I have these ideas, I have these thoughts, because pastors, worship leaders, youth pastors, we've got all kinds of ideas coming in our minds from all of these different places. But you know what Jesus does? He says, kingdom come, kingdom now. I need to be alone with the Father. Before I'm going to go into this major task, I need to spend some time seeing what God wants me to do. Number two, he would often avoid crowds or go to, uh, avoid crowds and go into solitude after a hard task. So after sending the disciples out to do ministry, which was a very, very stressful thing, he didn't say reward yourself with Netflix, crack open a bottle of beer and just, and just take two or three days off before you go back out. He said, scatter to be with the Father. Rest with the Father. Don't go right into the next task. Don't go right into the next thing that you're supposed to do because you need to hear what it is that you're supposed to do. The third reason he does this, and keep in mind that Jesus is also fully human, is to work through grief. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you, maybe recently, you're going through a breakup. You're going through a difficult moment. This is what Jesus did when his cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded. He withdraws from everyone to hear from the Father. And the way that this looks in most of our lives is, God, I just don't know what to do with this unbearable pain. My grandmother, my husband, my child, everything that I am has been centered around this relationship, these calls in the morning, them not being here for Thanksgiving or for Christmas. You see, Jesus is in this situation as well. What do I do about this moment that I'm walking into whenever I'm hurting? But also before making important decisions. You think Jesus just went out with the 12 disciples? This one looks good. That one looks good. I've heard about his credentials. I've heard about all the things that he can do. He's getting ready to turn a new leaf. No. And it scares me to death to think that leaders in our church could make big decisions that are going to change and alter the lives of other people without spending time alone with the Father, without going to God for that conversation. You know, to me, it's, it's pretty arrogant to make big decisions. Uh, to walk into projects, to make big changes in a church. If you've not spent time on your face before God, I can tell you some stories about rushing into things. 
I can tell you some stories about trying to get ahead of God with the things that I've done because of lack of patience. And I can tell you about eating crow and having to apologize and make everything right afterwards. But then also he goes to the Father and chooses a solitude over crowds in times of stress. What am I going to do with this meeting? I'm, I'm not prepared. What am I going to do about this situation? I'm, I'm not comfortable with funerals. I'm not comfortable with hospitals. And I've got to go into this situation. God, I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage next month. I don't know how I'm going to do this. What does he do? He breaks away and he gets alone with the father. When do we see this? Two weeks ago. The Garden of Gethsemane. You don't think that was a stressful moment? You don't think that was a moment that was, that was not very, very difficult for Jesus? So pulling himself away. But I'm particularly, particularly interested in number six. And the reason that he's avoiding the crowds and getting alone in solitude with the Father is specifically to focus on prayer. Many times in the ministry of Jesus, you see activities that are going on. The disciples spending time together. Everyone, when they know this news of Jesus, Jesus is healing people, Jesus is changing people's lives, Jesus is feeding people previously where there were no food. There are all these crowds that are coming in and Jesus is saying, you know what I need to do for just a minute? Or maybe all night before he chose the disciples, I need to sneak away and be alone with the Father. And you see, what we are producing in churches and one of the reasons that we're declining the way that we are is that we have men and women that will not slow down long enough to be with the Father. You see, it doesn't matter what growth looks like one day. It doesn't matter what enthusiasm looks like another day. We have to spend our lives withdrawing not just in leadership, but all of us in our lives. So when Jesus withdrew to be with the Father, it was about focus. It was about stress relief. It was about grief. It was about direction. What am I supposed to do next? But it was deeply, deeply relational. There was an intimacy that I can promise you you're never going to get anywhere else. And with our superficial prayers, help me, help me with the day, help lunch to be good, help this to happen, help that to happen. We often miss the connection with this God that pursues us to the ends of the earth. That though you may say to yourself, because of what I did last night, or because of how guilty I feel about this, or of how much I messed up that relationship, I just can't go to that father. That father is waiting for you this very second to open your heart back up to him. Simply put, we get to know God through prayer. That's how we know him. We get to know God through those quiet relationships in our lives that involve prayer. This is what Mary was doing last week. So as many of you know, I'm still a professor in Kentucky. All right, so every Tuesday, I drive to Prestonsburg, Kentucky, and I come back 
on Wednesdays. And just to be completely honest with you, that is very difficult for me. And as all three kids are getting older, it's becoming more and more difficult for me. So while I'm gone, I call Beth, my wife, more often. I text Callie, our oldest daughter, more often. I FaceTime Levi and, Cal, uh, Levi and Cora, which is often something that I don't do when I'm here. Now, you might ask why, and I think you already know the answer to this, because I believe in investing in the relationships that matter to me. And you're probably the same. If you work out of town, if you go on vacation, sometimes you're trying to get rid of people if you're going on vacation. But we care about the, pe the people that we care about. We believe we should invest in these relationships in our life. And here's the thing, and some of you will be able to relate to this. I have spent a lot of time with Beth over the last 11 plus years. We're a close couple. We do a lot of things together. But what I know and what I understand about her has changed. My comfort level with her has changed. In many ways, my role has changed. Our marriage is valuable to me because we spend meaningful time together and it's changed both of us. Otherwise, if we didn't invest in that time, we wouldn't change. Let me tell you this, and some of you can relate to this, and some of you, even though you believe you know what I'm talking about, you have no idea. Knowing God has changed me. Not knowing about God, but going to God in stressful moments. Going to God, you see, I don't just, I no longer, and I'm telling you this about everything in my life, I don't just walk through doors without praying. Any doors in my life. I need direction with everything that I do. I will never hold the arrogance that I have the ability to lead you in any positive direction whatsoever. If the Father is not first leading me. And the conclusion that I've come to, I really, really thought about this the other day. One of the biggest differences in most people in life, if you could really separate people into two different categories, you know what it is a lot of times? People who make good decisions and people who make poor decisions. I mean, that's almost it. Like you hear people saying all the time, I never should have bought that new car. I couldn't afford it. I should have never went back to her. It's the same thing over and over and again. What is it Einstein says? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and ex expecting different results. Do you know how many times I've said that to people in relationships? I've done it again. I spent my money this way. I went and did this and went and did that. And here's the thing. I am not good at making decisions. But whenever God leads me, every decision is right. And that is the biggest difference in my life is trusting him in that place. It's very different than knowing about God. 
Because there are some people that they can even quote scripture. They can tell you things about God. But when it comes to the intimate moments, they don't know the Father in a deeply relational way. Now, some of you do, but you've just not known him that way in a period of time. You've stepped away for whatever reason. It's, it's guilt that you've experienced. It's because of a mistake. Maybe you felt for a, for a time you, had a, you wandered away because you felt like you had a better option. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, but you've abandoned God in the process. Now listen to this. I don't try to get to know Beth through her sister. Though Amy could help, that's not how I try to get to know her. Some of you try to get to know God through your pastor. I'm limited. You send me these questions and you ask me these, I just Google them. You can do that yourself. Five years of seminary, that's what I've got to offer you, a Google search. I'm just kidding, sort of. But you ask me like a lot of these things, like, well, well what should I expect out of this? Talk to him. Get to know him for yourself. We're Protestants, priesthood of all believers. Get to know God. I don't know if it's the glasses or the bald head. I'm not an expert. I don't know. And then when I tell you, you don't listen to me anyway. Get to know him for yourself. Not through someone else. I'm going to seek the wise counsel of so-and-so down the road who seems to know all things. Go to God yourself. Advice is great. Go to God yourself. You see, I don't get to know Beth through trolling her social media accounts. That's how I get to know you guys. I'm just kidding. No, but I don't get to know her that way, so I can't get to know God through a live stream or through a church service. I can take some things away. There are some things that are valuable to me, but I can't get to know God. This is all secondhand stuff. Priesthood of the believers. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have the depth of the relationship that you are willing to pour into it. You see, this relationship can be life-changing. It can be great. You can know that through every... You know what I'm talking about when you get that text message? And all of a sudden, your stomach just sinks. And like your blood pressure goes up. And like the panic attack is right there. You can pull your car over. You can go in somewhere. You can stop what you're doing. And you have direct access. It's good to call other people for prayer. It's great to invite others. But get alone with the Father. Withdraw. To an isolated place. Talk to him. That's what I'm trying to encourage you to do. This doesn't fall on one person or a leadership team or a group of, most, like most churches, 10% of the people that do everything. It depends on you and the relationship that you are willing to cultivate and build with a father that loves you. It's really the only thing that I can see believers' church lacking are people that are growing through this formation, through this discipleship, that don't have to be intimidated or scared to pray. I'm convinced again 
that our mission and vision only come to completion through people who learn the art of relational, passionate prayer. Now, here are some reasons why. We can never be prepared for spiritual warfare without God's help. There's no way. Because I'm going to tell you what I've seen growing up in church, being away from church for years, but growing up in church, even away from church, I saw this and you guys see it all the time. Somebody gets mad and they leave. They blame others. Some people blame God. They blame people in the church that disagree with them about certain things. And I have to say this as a compliment to these believers that are in here right now. You guys have taught me a lot about spiritual resilience, about walking through and forgiving people that under most standards would not deserve forgiving. And we got to keep that up. We get this little garbage going on where people are talking. You know what it is to me? It's a sign of a weak and poor prayer life. And I'll tell you why. Because you cannot be right with God and wrong with people. And you cannot go to the throne of grace with bad relationships. You just can't. Because when you start pouring your heart out, when the emotions, when you're praying beyond the prayer and you're not looking at your watch at the next thing that you need to get done, God breaks everything within you and you have to make it right. But you see, when we have these shallow, surface-level prayers, we never get there. So you know somebody, when they get mad, when they start blaming people, when they do this, when they do that, and don't get me wrong, there is real church abuse. There is real damage that's done. I'm not talking about those kinds of things. I'm talking about people who leave, who get upset for seemingly a lot of times, very little reason. God is, or the enemy is going to throw everything at you. Especially since we started this breaking ground fast at the beginning of the year. There's all these things that are going on through our church as we experience growth and the grace of God and all of these beautiful things that are going on. The enemy is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy, and you have no hope if you're not walking closely in a relationship with the Father. Well, what else is going to happen? What are some other reasons why? You'll never be able to discern God's voice without spending time with God. How do you know what direction to go? When we talk about bad decisions or good decisions, how do you know how to spend your money? How do you know what you're supposed to be giving to the church? How do you know how you're supposed to be spending your time serving? How do you know how you're supposed to be treating other people? How do you know if you're not spending time cultivating this deep relationship? There are leaders in churches all over this country that do, 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 and they never cultivate what God is doing in their heart. And in their life, because it might look completely different. Yet it's going to produce fruit that lasts. And that's what we're talking about. But also, you'll never understand the purpose of God or like the calling that He has on your life. If you're not cultivating this relationship with the one that is calling you. How can you discern if you think God is telling you to do something? 
If God is working on you in a certain way, how can you further cultivate that? How can you understand it? How can you know the voice of God in that moment if you're not cultivating this deep relationship in prayer? It takes our prayer life to a completely new place. So back to my marriage for just a second, because this is my closest relationship here on earth. What happens when I don't invest in this relationship? And some of you know, because a lot of you in here are married, or you've been married. What happens if you don't invest in this relationship? And you can look at this like a relationship with God. There are usually one of two things that happens. Number one, there's a divorce, all right, the relationship ends, or more commonly, and this is scary, we go on pretending everything is okay. There may be marriages that are in this room right now, watching online, you're still married, maybe you've got 15 years, maybe you've got 30 years, maybe it's just two or three years. But you're not what you would call your what you would call happy or fulfilled. You're basically coexisting in the same place. And this is typically what we see. We go on pretending that everything is okay. I would like to suggest that maybe in your relationship with God. Some of you aren't okay. And you've created that distance over time. It's either never been real or you've grown apart over time. But what you're doing, and you know what we do when we see this on Instagram and Facebook? They've got the best marriage. They've got it figured out. You know, 20 years this year, just... What are they doing right? And, and the reality is they're miserable. They're just coexisting in the same place. I'll say it again a third time. I'm convinced that our mission and vision only come to completion when we learn the art of relational, passionate prayer. Luke 5.16 Again, all of the stress, all of the, can you believe this poor Galilean is doing these things? Jesus would withdraw to deserted places for prayer. You know what he was saying? I need to know the Father. I need to know the Father in the deepest possible ways. Did you know that it's possible to write a sermon and argue with your spouse at the same time? Did you know that it's possible to put together points and an outline when you're in a bad place spiritually? You know what I do? I close this thing. I walk away. 
Uh, this has got to be done by, by three. That's my little crazy schedule in my head. This needs to be taken care of. This needs to be met. This needs to be done. God, how can I share with people? How can I do what I'm supposed to do with this conflict? With me acting this way? With me being this way? And I'm saying this for a reason. Because old Matt and a lot of other people that work in ministry, they just boom, 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 boom. Task after task. Let's get it done. It's, it's all for Jesus. And inside Jesus is saying, wake up. You're messed up. Get yourself straightened out. And then come back to me. There are times that life gets very busy for all of us. There are times that I get more credit than I deserve. There are times that I feel I get more criticism than I deserve. I'm upstairs watching horror movies. That's my thing. Real, real spiritually healthy. Beth is downstairs watching Project Runway. Equally spiritually healthy. And I walk downstairs. And there's just a distance. You know what that's like in marriage. And I'll say, let's get in the car and go to Asheville tomorrow. We'll go to El Paso, not Texas. That's, where, that's our Mexican restaurant we like to eat at. We can stay at my brother's, my brother's hotel. That's where we go. Like, let's, let's see if we can get the kids watched and let's get away from this noise and everything. And just spend some meaningful time together. She's like, no agenda? Uh, kind of, sort of. Uh, no agenda. Let's just spend some time together. As valuable as this relationship is to me, it doesn't even begin to touch what a relationship with God is like. So some of you who need to understand how much the Father loves you and how much He is reaching out to you in this very second right now that understands your adolescent, teenage brokenness, the hurt that you have because a relationship is falling apart, the loneliness, the habits that you have that no one else knows about. He is reaching out right now saying, turn off your phone. Turn off your work. Turn off that toxic relationship. Withdraw from the crowd and be with me. Today, I want you to be able to consider as we close a fresh start. Isn't that just a wonderful sound? A fresh start. 
For some of you, it's getting back to the heart of this relationship. Because you see yourself as distant. That distance is driving you crazy. When you go to God again, it feels like this thundering, distant God that is not personal, that doesn't want to know you. You even question sometimes if it's possible that this God exists. He does. And He's not close. He's closer than close. He is here right now. The presence of God that wants to pull His beloved son or His beloved daughter close and say everything is going to be okay. There are others of you in here and maybe you don't have a great track record with a prayer life. And maybe some of this is still confusing to you. And what you need to do today, and the reason you know this, is because your heart is beating and you're not sure exactly where you are spiritually, but you need to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior for the first time. That prayer life, that relational identity, this good God, this Jesus that heals and cures is present today. Would you bow your heads with me? In a second, I'm going to invite anyone who wants to come up and pray, who needs to renew this covenant within, who needs to make this relationship right, who needs to feel the power and presence of the Father afresh. I'm going to invite you to come down and pray. But there are others of you in here. And you're saying, Matt, I don't have this relationship right now. I know that it's not real. I know that I have never asked Christ to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior, to transform me, to change things, to make all things new. But I know that today is the day that I'm supposed to do that. I didn't come here thinking about that. But I know that I have to have this Jesus. I know that I've utilized all my resources. I've done what I'm able to do. But that I need Him. And if that's you this morning, I'm going to pray a very simple, straightforward prayer. And the only thing that I ask is that you repeat after me to yourself, asking Jesus to come into your heart, asking Jesus to change you, asking Jesus to save you. If you feel led to do that this morning, you can simply repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that without you, I have nothing. I cannot do it on my own. I ask today that you come into my heart and that you save me. And from this day forward, 
it is my desire to follow you. Now again, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, would you simply lift your hand just so that we can acknowledge that that decision has been made. Anyone in here this morning, pray, pray that prayer and ask Christ into their heart for the first time. Lord Jesus, we come to you today. And God, we pray this morning that you rekindle the depth of this relationship. God, we pray that whenever we sense things come into our lives that are not good for us, Father, that you teach us how to rebuke those things. Through our mo moments of stress, Father, through our moments of hurt, for, for some of us, God, we just need direction. We need to understand what is next. Holy Spirit, I pray that you lead us and you lead our hearts. Spirit, move among us on this day. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.